vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Cantit, and today we're talking about habit stacking as a way to encourage practice. Welcome back, lovely teachers. Great to have you here again. Thank you for listening. I haven't asked this in a long time. It could be years. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you if you enjoyed this podcast, if you've gotten some kind of value out of it, if you just enjoy laughing at my funny voice, whatever the value may be, I would really appreciate it if you left a review for us. So you can do that in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Just take a second to leave a review, write a few words about what you enjoy to help other teachers find our show. Now, today's episode is about habit stacking. So this is in conjunction with an article that was written towards parents. If you've been listening to us for a while or listening this year, you'll know that we've been writing some articles this year that you can share with parents. So they're not written towards you. They're written directly towards parents so that you can share it with parents in your studio, use it as a resource for them. So today's article is about habit stacking. And this is really the foundation of how I talk about practice with parents and students in my studio. I talk a lot about establishing the foundation of practice when they first start. So not focusing at all, not spending any attention on how long they're practicing or even what they're doing in the first few months, but just focusing on are they practicing at all. So this idea of habit stacking, the article has been written by Carmen and she took the idea or got this inspiration from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I can thoroughly recommend. And as it happens, as I'm recording this, I just listened to a podcast on which James Clear was a guest a few days ago. So how about that? In the podcast, James gave a great example, which is not about habit stacking, but I think it helps set up why my focus is entirely on this in the beginning. So James gave the example of a guy he knew who wanted to get in better shape, wanted to look after his health and start exercising regularly. And for the first six weeks of this plan, so he made this resolution of sorts, I'm going to get better, I'm going to start going to the gym. But for the first six weeks of his new gym plan, he went to the gym, went inside the gym for five minutes, and then went home. So he went to the gym at the time he was decided he was going to go to the gym. I don't know whether it was three times a week or every day or whatever it was. But he went inside, did five minutes of exercise, which means he probably just about sat down at some equipment or other or just got on the treadmill for a second and then came out, got in his car, went home. Now, the idea of this is that maybe this particular guy, I don't know, but maybe he had tried to do this in the past And it had just got overwhelming. A lot of people start trying to exercise and they do it for a few days and then they're so sore and so miserable with it or it's really just taking so much willpower that they give up. And then once they've given up for a few days, they feel like, well, that's it now. Can't do it. And they give up the whole plan. So his idea of going to the gym 
and just going in for five minutes and then going home is that, yeah, he's not getting sore. So he's not getting the negative after effects that you do get when you start exercising, right? Especially if you start with something really intense at first, which a lot of people tend to do. He's teaching his brain that it's no big deal. Going to the gym is just what we do. We do it as a habit at this time on these days. Nothing bad happens, right? And then from there, he expanded it and now he's in a much healthier place. But that's really what I'm trying to do when parents and students join our studio, when I'm working with new parents, is I'm trying to say, let's make practice happen and let's associate practice with being easy, right? So if they sit down at the time they've decided to practice and they keep going for 45 minutes, fine, I'm not stopping them. I'm not saying they have to quit after five minutes like this guy and leave the gym, leave the practice bench. But if they sit down and they only want to play one of their pieces, their favorite one at the moment, that's fine. Yes, we know that at a more advanced level, that's not really practice. (laughs) It's playing. But all I want them to do is build a habit of going to their instrument every day. Because that is really hard. And if we can just get them to do that and associate that with it's easy and it's just what I do, then we can build from there. So habit stacking, right? That's the why. Now, what is it? Habit stacking is where we attach that daily new habit to something else that is already going to happen or that is already a habit. The examples I often give to parents are maybe child tends to get up very early and practices before breakfast. So that's attaching it before something. Maybe they do it directly after they get into from school. That's going to happen five days a week. Maybe they do it straight after lunch or afternoon snack. If they have, you know, lunch at school, come home, have an afternoon snack. Maybe it comes directly after that. Maybe something else happens every single day. Maybe their sister does swimming every day. Because swimming tends to happen every day, right? (laughs) It's one of those activities that is a huge commitment. Well, it's immediately sister comes home from swimming practice. Or, you know, other parent is home with the other child or children while sister is at swimming practice with other parent, first parent. And so they do it while sister is gone. So Lucy's gone. That means I'm supposed to practice. We're trying to build an if-then. So we have to find something that does happen, and then that means we are going to practice. Now, in the beginning, we may need some extra prompts for this, so they could put up post-it notes reminding them of their plan. They could make a fun drawing or something visual to remind them. They could have an alarm that goes off on their phone, right? Whatever it's going to be needs an extra reminder in the beginning, normally. You can also use a physical object as a reminder, and I really like this one. So in the gym example, a lot of people want to go to the gym first thing in the morning. That wouldn't be my jam, but each to their own, right? Different strokes. So they put their gym clothes laid out, ready to go beside their bed. And they try to build the habit then of I get out of bed and I put on my gym clothes. I don't even think about going to the gym. I'm just putting on my gym clothes. And then, oh, I'm up. I've had my coffee and I'm already in my gym clothes. So I guess I'll go to the gym. That's kind of the idea. Now, depending on where the piano is in the home, sometimes it's not really in the way. 
And so we're not reminded of that physical object very often. But we can take our piano books or folder or piano bag like we have in our studio and put that somewhere. I suggest putting it on top of something that you're supposed to be habit stacking with. So let's say the plan is to do it, to do piano practice before homework. God forbid, right? Before homework or whatever other activity before we get to play on the iPad, right? A lot of parents will have rules about screen time and kids are allowed to play on the iPad for a certain amount of time every day after they've done their homework. Maybe they need to do homework, piano, then they get screen time. So if the iPad is stored somewhere, put the piano book on top of the iPad. So it is literally in the way. Now, Carmen puts a great caveat in the article, which I think is a good note about making sure we don't put practice in the category of being a chore. That's where I see a lot of these issues happen. And that's where, honestly, time amounts for practice. So when parents require their child to do half an hour practice or whatever, aren't my favorite. For some families, they work and that's fine. And that's a parenting decision. So I don't want to really get involved, but they're not what I recommend because it does tend to make children think of practice as something that they have to check off some stupid adult list that's been given to them, right? And we don't want it to become a chore. So definitely we want to make sure practice doesn't drag them away from screen time. If they're allowed whatever amount of Xbox time, and we put that first, I think that can be a real problem because screens, no matter what you're doing on them, but especially if you're playing, you know, really addictive games, and this isn't a judgment on games, they're not my jam, but many people enjoy them and that's fine. But they do put your brain in this certain sort of state. And I see it happening with people around me that play games, right? They're kind of different. Has anyone noticed this when, when someone is just being playing a game? Like it takes them a while to come out of it. I would say the same thing with when somebody's been scrolling on TikTok for ages or something like that. It just, it takes them a minute to get back to ready to talk to real life humans. I kind of liken it to, and this may be insulting, I really don't mean it to be. But when we did dog training for our dog, stick with me. I'm not saying people are dogs, but when we did dog training, one of the things that the trainer in the dog training class mentioned to us is he said, make sure you're not doing throwing the ball for your dog every time you go to the park. Like he gave us different alternatives of things to do that keep them engaged and busy rather than always throwing the ball. Because he said the when we throw the ball, they're going into like hunting mode. Like that's what the ball play is about, right? And it gets all these hormones going in their brain, these chemicals racing around their brain. And they're kind of like drugged, <laughs> not literally drugged, but they're kind of in a different state. And he said, like, you know, you'll see it in their energy, the way they're moving and stuff. And that's not always the best place for them to be. Yes, they're having fun, but they're having fun in a very particular way. And so I'm not saying humans playing video games are just like dogs, but <laughs> I do think it has a similar way of putting people in a different state of mind getting different chemicals going and therefore taking a child from that and saying now you have to do this analog thing called piano practice and it requires a lot of focus and concentration and yes it's fun but in a very different way they're not in the right state to do that. 
Try not to make it something that you pull them away from a screen to do. Now, I give a lot of this advice if you're wondering when to do this, when to talk to parents about this. I talked to all new parents about this at our first meeting, and I've talked about that on the podcast a lot. So I always meet with parents before they start properly. And this is what we talk, one of the things that we talk about, how to set up a practice habit, different do's and don'ts of helping with practice at home. I also have follow-up emails that automatically go out to new parents. So I have an automatic email sequence that is set up in MailerLite. And if you're a member, you can go to the course library and find essential email templates. And you'll see a course there that gives you templates as a starting point to talk about various things in your studio that go out automatically. And it'll show you how to make them automatic so that you're not having to manually send these each week to new parents. So that's essential email templates if you want to check it out in the course library if you're a member of Vibrant Music Teaching. If you do want more help with working on practice, I definitely suggest you check out Vivid Practice, which is our practice app. So that's at vividpractice.com, V-I-V-I-D, practice.com. And you can set up a free account there so you can test it out for yourself. But that is our practice app and that's what I use with all my students. It has reminders to help with this daily nudge to practice daily little reminders. And I think every little helps in that regard. But it also just makes it easier for students to follow through on all of your directions for practice, to watch videos that you may have to remind them of various things or listen to audio, which is so important and so hard to get students to do. So again, that's vividpractice.com if you want to check it out, or you can watch some videos about that on YouTube as well if you search there. So that's habit stacking. I hope you pass this on to parents in your studio, the articles on the Colorful Keys blog, so you can go there and send the link to your parents or just read it yourself and send them some information about it. I hope you enjoyed that perspective on how to get parents going with practice in the beginning, and I'll see you back here next week. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up.